Hello and welcome to the Dream Nation Love Podcast. I'm your host, Yulia. And before I get into the show, I want to tell you to check out Dream Nation Love on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please say hello and let me know what you love about the show and uh, get in touch. I want to know who you are. I know there are a ton of listeners out there listening and I'd love to connect with you. Today on the show, I'm interviewing Gia Moron, who's the Executive Vice President for Women Grow. They're the largest international professional networking organization cultivating business leaders in the cannabis industry. No pun intended. Gia is also the founder of GVM Communications, and that's a public relations brand and business development firm. And she has a wide range of clients ranging from small to mid-sized businesses, nonprofits, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, speakers, a lot of different clients across the board. Gia started her career as the Director of Promotions and Publicity at the Fremantle Corporation, and they're an international television distribution and production company that does really interesting work. Feel free to look them up. And then she went on to become a Media Relations Officer in the Corporate Communications Department at Goldman Sachs. She continuously works with a number of nonprofit organizations in New York City, where she lives, and mentors up-and-coming young women entrepreneurs across the country to South Africa. I am so glad to have her on the show. We talked a lot about entrepreneurship and the cannabis space and um, women. It's a really, really great podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. And um, have a great day. So, Gia, thank you so much for being on the show. I've been following your work, and I'm really, really inspired by all the work that you and the organization are doing. So glad to have a chance to speak with you. And I start out my podcast by asking every one of my guests, what was your dream as a kid? What was my dream as a kid? I think it depends on the age, right? (laughs) You can have multiple dreams, too. It doesn't have to be one dream. No, absolutely, but I think it changes. You know, I think when I was between the ages of 8 and 12, I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. And then, of course, by the time I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to do something business-related. I just didn't know what that was. But what's really interesting, by the time I was 16 years old, a friend that I knew in the neighborhood said that I would be great at public relations, but I didn't know what that was at the time. But they were in college, right? And so they were home during a break. And they said, you know, you would be really great at PR. And I was like, what's PR? They said public relations. And I had no idea what that was. Never forgot it and then realized it probably like some years later that that was the actual industry or or sector within business that I ended up in. So I don't know if it was a, a dream, but it was more of a seed that was planted by the time I was 16, and which has kind of led to my over 25-year career. That's incredible. So what were some things as a kid that you might remember that made you really good at PR? Were you, like, really great at promoting your friends or, you know, like, managing crises? You know, I, I've always been a very social person, and if not anything, like, I've always been supportive of friends since the time I was small. I didn't really engage in a lot of uh, confrontation. And, you know, I do credit my parents for always having me involved in different types of activities. As I said, you know, I wanted to be an Olympic swimmer. Although I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, we were really fortunate enough to have uh, swimming pools in our apartment complex. So most of my friends and I grew up learning how to swim. So that was one of my you know, activities, then I dance, and, you know, all sorts of activities within the arts. 
but really just exposing me to just different, I guess, opportunities in life, you know, taking me on trips and whatnot. So I, I've always been very good at being able to engage in different groups and communities of people. Right. It's a skill. Yeah, it's and feel comfortable in it, right? And not, I mean, mm-hmm. look, I think there were times, of course, that I think that's just normal in childhood where there are times you do feel like an outcast or you do feel, you know, out of place. But for the most part, I have been able to adjust to different environments. And so I think that that played a part in it. And, and definitely I think the confidence building that um, my parents instilled in me growing up. Which brought you to a career at Goldman Sachs, and then you covered Woman Grow, and you started working with them. And how did that journey kind of like occur? So actually, before Goldman Sachs, I was international distribution and production company, and that's really where the whole PR thing really started. And I was there for six years and worked in the corporate space within entertainment. Then I found myself on Wall Street, which I really thought was going to be just a pit stop, uh, and I ended up there for 15 years. And then I was part of the layoffs in 2011 and had decided to launch my own company, which is GVM Communications, which I still own and operate today. So I'm, I'm actually proud to say I'm still an entrepreneur, PS, seven years later. And so that that's within itself I'm proud of. And, you know, I expanded into the cannabis industry in 2015, and that's around the time I kind of discovered Women Grow in 2014, 2015, and that's when I actually started engaging with Women Grow. Having studied or starting to pay attention to cannabis in 2012, really just following the stories that I saw really coming up about it in in 2013, 14, and then learned about Women Grow and said, oh, wow, there are women that are really trying to break into this industry, which I thought was amazing because pretty much everything I was reading about was pretty much about men in the industry. So I didn't even think that there was a place for me at the time. And coming from New York City, uh, knowing, you know, how many arrests have been behind marijuana, I thought, wow, okay, this is legal. But I don't see any women, and I don't see very many people of color, but there's got to be an opportunity. And so Women Grow actually presented that opportunity in terms of introducing women overall to what the possibilities were in the cannabis industry. And so I started working with the New York market team in 2016, which, you know, I always say Women Grow was kind of my gateway into the cannabis industry. So I actually took like a negative term of where people have said, you know, marijuana is the gateway drug. I like to say women grow with my gateway in to the opportunities that I've been able to really receive through the industry. So I'm grateful to them because without this company, I probably would not have made the contacts that I've made, met the amazing women that I've made, and even created partnerships in this space. So I'd say it started in 2016, and uh, I joined headquarters in 2017, and uh, then became executive vice president in 2018. I love it. I think the community of women in cannabis is so inspiring because we're still so small. So whenever you meet somebody working in the space, it automatically creates a community. 
And I think it's really interesting to also point out that, you know, you don't have to smoke in order to be a part of the community. There are a lot of medicinal facts in cannabis that draw a lot of people to it, like especially with the CBD and women are natural healers too. And a lot of them work with cancer patients, AIDS patients, chronic pain. And it's more than just like a stoner stereotype, which I think a lot of people still have those barriers in mind. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So when I first entered into the industry, that was actually one of my own stereotypes. And so I had to learn that myself, right, in terms of the stigma, because I have not been a consumer through smoking in quite some time, and that's just my choice. But when I began to become more educated about the industry and learning different ways to consume. I mean, look, I mean, I've always heard about brownies and cookies, but it wasn't as sophisticated then as it is now in terms of the access to information. So absolutely, like I consume through tinctures. I consume through edibles, but I'm very selective about the edibles. Like I, I personally enjoy the teas because they have a lower THC level, and I just happen to enjoy tea. Right? And so I thought, oh, this is a nice way of enjoying the benefits of the plant. Uh, I've learned that, you know, through different oils, not, not just the extraction oils from the plant, but through coconut oil and olive oil that I can actually cook with that. And so I've learned so much about the different ways that we can benefit from this plant without feeling that I needed to smoke. Uh, and, and people in this industry have been really amazing in making those non-smokers still feel comfortable. It's just, you know, a choice. And I think people need to understand you don't have to be a consumer to be a part of it, but you absolutely need to be educated about the benefits of it because there are many people who are in the space specifically for medicinal purposes. And then there are others who are part of it just because they enjoy the adult use. Mm-hmm. All the conferences that have been happening with Women to Grow, the summit, and I actually try to make it to the Yale summit, but of course I had to work so I couldn't make it, but I keep on trying to make it to a few events in New York because I want to meet everybody in person too. And um, I was going to actually ask you about the success stories of Women and Grow. I know you build a community and you help people connect and learn about new products and also you kind of like build a non-traditional like impact investment vehicle through Women grow in a way. It's a community. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about the success stories that you've had. Sure. So, you know, the, the whole reason why the company was launched was a vision through the founder, which is Jane West. And in 2014, what she saw early on, just like many women, is that this industry was being led by men. And she felt that this industry will be the first industry, multi-million, billion-dollar industry to be led by women, which I agree as well. And she, as well as her co-founder, Jasmine Hump, they really created a company that allows women to come together not just to connect, to build relationships, but also to become more educated and more empowered in this space. You know, it's interesting, cannabis is the first industry across all industries that is actually has the most women in leadership, yet those numbers still aren't strong enough. But that says a lot about what the industry, where the industry is early on. That said, 
many of the leading women currently in cannabis probably and most likely have attended a Women Grow meeting because it was the first of its kind, especially when it launched in 2014. And more than likely, many of them attended not only uh, a signature networking event, but our amazing leadership summit, which generally happens in February. And that is the pretty much the, the first conference dedicated to women. There are others now that are coming up, which is wonderful to see. But Women Grow was the first to really have a conference dedicated to women where they were coming together from all over the country for two days to really hear about the empowerment stories, just as you asked, the success stories, which, again, many of which you will see a lot of the leading women that are leading businesses in this industry really started either with an idea at a Women Grow meeting or met their partners at a Women Grow meeting, or even, you know, receive their first clients, right? And that's a big deal because oftentimes when we're at these networking events, we're not making those connections that we'd love to make. And I think that's what's wonderful about this platform, that it has created a safe space for women to come together and really network and broker relationships the way we'd like to do it. And oftentimes when we're in those rooms with men are having to kind of fight our way in to get our place, whereas in this community of women, we're able to do that on a common ground and really show and highlight our expertise. Right, which brings me to my next question, which is why is cannabis such a male-dominated field? It's horticulture, right? It's also medicinal. You'd think there would be a lot more women into it. And Again, like every other industry that involves high rewards, no pun intended, you know, it seems to be very, very dominated by men. Yeah, you know, and that's a great question. It is. You know, the point that I made in terms of there are more women in leadership roles in this industry in comparison to others, I think, and this is my own opinion of my own observation. I think oftentimes things kind of start out out of a cycle and a pattern, right? I can't say there's really been any other industry that really began with women. There are some, but pretty much most of the industries are dominated by men. But what I'm seeing and what I believe is changing is that we as women have stepped forward earlier, right? And so when you look at the legalization of cannabis, we're still in the infancy stage, right? And so, yes, it started out as a male-dominated industry, but women have absolutely started fighting the fight earlier and really speaking up and vocalizing that this will not be a repeated cycle that we've seen in other industries. That said, we are beginning to see more women coming into the space. And I think for several reasons, if you're looking at the plant from a medicinal side. You know, women are generally the caregivers of their households. You know, there are a number of women who are in this space that perhaps are not being recognized as leaders, but these are the women that are caring for their families, they're caring for their communities, they're advocates, they're in the forefront, really fighting for patient rights. And then when you look at from the entrepreneurial side, there are many women who are saying, I opened the door but I'm not going to let it close behind me, and I'm going to help more and more women come up and come through to start building their businesses. And when you look at companies like Women Grow and other organizations that are coming up, we're beginning to see more of that. So I like to look at where we're going versus how we started out, because how we started out 
was somewhat of a repeated behavior and pattern. But what I believe we're seeing is a change on the horizon, which I hope to see more and more of. And what I really love about Women Grow is that it's very diverse. So the numbers are diverse and it's very inclusive. Yeah, I think the statistics are like everything else, right, when it comes to funding and and entrepreneurship. Out of the 3,000 dispensaries in the U.S., less than three dozen, which is like 1%, are black-owned. It's so wonderful that Women Who Grow promotes diversity. How can other groups get in and help create a more diverse cannabis space and create opportunities for people who want to enter it? So I think there's a couple of ways to respond to this. So one, I'd say, you know, although we're beginning to see more women come into this space, we still have the challenges of access to capital and finance. That hasn't changed. Women are still across the board, right? So before we even get into the – because we have diversity in terms of gender, and then we've got the racial diversity. But women across the board are having challenges in terms of getting the proper capital to help finance and and build up their businesses. They're still having to go to friends, family, and even some of these, you know, business organizations for support. Unfortunately, they're not getting the same level of support that men are getting in the industry. So that that is a huge challenge. Now when we look at women of color, we then are faced with additional challenges, right? Because then we've got women who are getting finance. Um, again, still not at the same levels that men are getting financed. And then we've got women of color who are still facing, facing additional challenges. And I don't think women grow has gotten it right yet. I think we're, we're continuing to try and figure out what those steps towards a solution are, right? I don't think anyone in the industry has gotten it right yet. I still think it's a little bit too early to say who's got it right or who's doing the right thing. I think we're all working towards trying to figure out how do we bridge those gaps. And, yeah, you're right. We're not seeing very many black and Latino women in ownership positions and roles in this industry. And that is, you know, that, that that's heartbreaking that we're still dealing with these same issues. But I bring that back to, as I said earlier, I'm looking at it from hindsight that we're addressing this early, right, and we're calling this out early, and we're really bringing more attention to this, but also really working towards big, and when I say we, I'm talking about an industry, not specifically Women Grow, because I think women within Women Grow and outside of Women Grow are really trying to figure out what can we do to make this right and to make this better, because we're not just looking for equality. We're looking for equity as well. Mm -hmm. And I believe that the more that we keep putting the pressure on, accountability, and coming together and saying, look, if you're not going to help us, then we're going to figure this out on our own. You know, maybe those are the steps. But unfortunately, right now, no one has quite figured it out. But I am hopeful that we will begin to see many changes come, especially for women of color, because I believe that there are many opportunities within this industry for them as well. And I'm a woman of color speaking, right? And so I'm speaking from experience. You know, through hearing you speak right now, I was just thinking how wonderful it would be if Women Grow raised the fund and you invested it back in women entrepreneurs. That's like like the first thing that just popped into my head. It's like, wow, that would be amazing. 
It's interesting that you mentioned that. So it's something we've explored and something we've been asked about for, for several years. And so we're in the exploratory stage. It's a little bit too early to say what we will do or will not do. I think for us, because we are, you know, overall, Women Grow is a company that hosts events. We provide education and, you know, we hold these meetings to empower each other and provide the support. Our goal is to look for a partner that has the expertise in the space. I can't say that Women Grow has the specific expertise, but one of the things that we look forward to is partner with companies and experts in, you know, certain sectors that we're able to bring those opportunities to our members and to our attendees of our events as well as business owners, right? Because Women Grow isn't just for the entrepreneur. It's also for women in business who are looking to transition in. So to your point in terms of a fund, yeah, it's something that we absolutely have been talking about and considering for some time. We were in talks with one company and had just recently done a focus group webinar to see what this might look like. But I would say from what I've seen in the industry, I believe that this is something we have to take our time and do. I don't think we need to rush into it because we do want to get it right because there's so many people that are looking for this help and looking for this support with investment to their businesses, but also to invest in business. I just saw the Deep Dog raise a fund. I think it's Canadian. It's called um, Casa Verde, mm-hmm. and he's been investing in so much stuff. And I just, I love Snoop. He's just so inspiring with all his work. So I've been tracking their fund, and I befriended a few of the investors online. I'm like, I have to mm-hmm. be friends with these guys because they're really doing innovative work. And I was going to ask you, how can more women become involved with Women Grow? Sure. So, and just to that point, oh, that's a great example, right? But oftentimes when we're seeing some of these funds, they're also looking for businesses that have been established, right, that actually mm-hmm. have a bit of a track record. So there's also a divide, right? We've got women who are looking for financing and access to capital for their startup, as well as women who are looking for investment for second, third round funding, right, that have been around. So, you know, for us, There are different levels, and that's what we're looking at, where we can, you know, I don't know if we can serve everyone, but we're doing our best to at least respond to the inquiries that we've received over the years. And then in terms of how women can get involved, well, we have markets across the country, and people can go to visit our website, which is womengrow.com, and if you actually go to locations. You'll be able to see where meetings are hosted each month, and I would suggest for them to sign up and get on these mailing lists so they can stay abreast as to when the meetings are happening or other events outside of the signature networking events. So those would be my recommendations in terms of staying in touch with Women Grow. I'd also suggest that they follow us on social media. We're very active on social media. We believe that that is a platform that we're able to reach more people in terms of sharing information, sharing highlights about women who are doing amazing work in this industry. Because I think the more we begin to highlight professionals, whether as an entrepreneur or a woman leader in business, we're inviting more women in. Because when we begin to see reflections of ourselves in this space, we then begin to see ourselves flourishing. And, you know, I don't know if anyone else agrees, but that's kind of how I feel. When I see a reflection of myself in a leadership role, I imagine that I can do the same thing. 
Oh, completely. Yeah. It's all about seeing what you can become, right? It's tangible. It gets out of your head and into the real world. And then there's something about having allies too, right? So like, for example, like I see all the work that all the women are doing through Woman Girl and I'm really inspired because I have a bunch of, I'm always working on 3000 projects. So I have some, some things in the back of my head and I'm like, okay, well, once all this other stuff is out, like I'll come to an event and I want to meet everyone, but it's hard because, you know, I'm juggling like an ad agency and a podcast and everything else, but I I was not able to see women working in cannabis up until like five years ago. It was so taboo, and now we're all coming out of the closet, and it's okay. Like, if people can have a drink in the office, and people can talk about alcohol, and alcohol is so much more destructive than cannabis, so much more. And, and I think that's where, you know, even when we talk about stigmas, right, there, I believe that we will begin to see more women transitioning and being more open about their support of cannabis, whether as a consumer or even their interest in joining in terms of a career, because they need to see themselves in this space and be able to identify with some of the leaders to say, if she did it, I can do it too. I mean, that's what led me to this, being able to see that someone had the vision and the foresight to say, you know what, I'm seeing a lot of men, in, 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 you know, leading this industry, but I want to see more women. And the only way to do that is to actually be that image and then invite others to join you. So, you know, that's why I believe companies like Women Grow, but there are others that are out there that are doing the very same thing, and we have to do it. It is our responsibility. If you want to see more of us in this space, we have to be able to relate to those that are either the moms at home or the attorney or the graphic designer or architect and say, hey, you know, if I'm in this space, there's a seat next to me, you can do this too. And I love the campaign that Mad Men had out of LA. And I think it just said stoner or something and it showed like everyday people who do it. And it was so groundbreaking. And the work that Mad Men is doing is it's completely inspiring, too. I was going to ask you to share with the listeners a few organizations that you love that are working in the cannabis space as well, so they can, you know, look them up and create enhance their network. Sure, sure. So I'm a believer that if you're entering into the cannabis space, and that really is where my desire lies, that's where I wanted to make my contributions to the space in terms of helping to build up the businesses within this industry, and also to help educate others. So I find that, you know, of course, it's women grow. Elementa is another great organization because they focus more on the wellness aspect, which I love because, again, I, I, I'm such a huge fan of this industry because of the amount of education that comes with it. And so that whole healthcare and wellness is a whole other industry or a whole other sector within this space. So I think Element is great. I love Minorities for Medical Marijuana. I think uh, there's a group out of New York City where I'm from, Canagather, and as well as On the Rebels. They hold great meetings. But I'm also, you know, from the advocacy side, you've got uh, Drug Policy Alliance, and they cover all drugs across the board, but they do have a specific entity that's dedicated to cannabis. But they do amazing work, and, and, you know, their goal is to really just uh, 
really demolish this whole war on drugs, which I'm a huge supporter of. We've got to get rid of that. Um, people need to help. We don't need to be criminalized. I'd say also there's so many great groups out there. I always tell people what I did in the very beginning is I always used, you know, I used Google, of course, but cannabis and whatever the other keyword. I'm looking for in terms of women's groups and cannabis, advocacy and cannabis. I always did those searches, and then whatever came up, that's how I started doing my research in this industry. And I just found, oh, Minority Business, MCBA, Minority Cannabis Business Association, another great group. There's a group that's dedicated to lawyers in cannabis. Normal. I was going to actually say normal and DPA and uh, ASA, but I wasn't thinking about normal. But normal is also another amazing organization that people really need to look at. SSDP, which is that SSDP normal. Before I forget, Americans for Safe Access because they've got amazing research. So, you know, I I would just tell people, Start with some of those and also begin to do their own research. You can go on Google and just put in some keywords, and these organizations are going to pop up. And they're across the country. I mean, I named some that are national as well as some that are regional, but it depends on where they are. But Normal is probably, you know, one of the biggest. Um, NCIA, I don't know if I mentioned them, but they're also amazing. So, yeah, I mean, th- those would be my recommendations for sure. Yeah, I was going to say, I just had Keith Stroop on a few podcasts ago, and we spoke a lot about legislation and cannabis, and that was a really great podcast, too. He was really great. My last question to you is, what is your dream as an adult? Uh, Oh, wait, I don't want to forget CCA, because I I adore those founders. Uh, Cannabis Cultural Association, and there's another amazing group out of Massachusetts. Oh, my God, I hate them. I'm forgetting them. But to answer your question, my dream as an adult, If had you asked me six, seven years ago, I don't think it would have included cannabis. In looking at the way the direction of of my career and my vision is going, it's absolutely to be a part of the blueprint that is building and developing this cannabis industry. I want to be a part of the solution. I don't want to sit back and talk about the issues we have. My dream is to really come up with solutions bridge gaps, elevate more women and more people of color in this space, continue to educate. Those are dreams that I work on daily and that I try to do my best in terms of giving back to education that we did not receive across the board, giving back to communities of color who have unfortunately been most impacted by this war on drugs, and from a medical standpoint, give back in terms of like my dream of pushing the education of things I wish we knew growing up, either from our grandparents, our parents, and even my generation, to say, imagine if we had this amazing plant, how much good it could do, would do, and continues to do when it comes to the many illnesses that are faced in our communities. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for taking the time to call in and talk about cannabis, which is a really great passion project of mine as well. Like, I'm I'm so passionate about the space, and I want more people to discover the healing properties of cannabis because I think it's really life-changing. 
And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing for promoting women in this space because it's a perfect field for women. It's exactly where women need to be. I don't know who's really investing in a cannabis space, but I don't see why women should not be invested, you know, like transitioning from a tech space to the cannabis space. Oh, my gosh, it's a national transition. And it's so much more sustainable than the tech Mm -hmm. space. Well, because you have this whole cannabis thing that's coming up anyway, right? We're we're Mm -hmm. seeing it in California. We're beginning to see it in New York. So I believe, honestly, I believe cannabis will be in every single industry. I don't think it's one of those industries that will be – set aside. Uh, I think we're going to see it in, well, we will, We already see it in finance. We're already seeing it in healthcare, of course. We're already seeing it in technology. And now you look at the beverage industry, you're seeing it there. So I don't think it will be siloed in its own space. I believe we're going to see so many collaborations across the board. So I think it is a natural transition or expansion that technology begins to invest. And first of all, I want to thank you for even having a platform like this for people like myself and others that are able to not only share our stories, but be able to connect with someone like you who is so passionate about it and, you know, allows us to have the conversation, which I believe will help in terms of shifting the narrative and the mindset that many have. So thank you for doing what you do, because if you didn't have this, I don't know where many of us would be able to go to share what we're learning in this space. So thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on your podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. I can't wait to meet you in real life. Hopefully soon. I'm going to try to make it to Summit. And I'm in Brooklyn, too, so I'm right around the corner. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. We must meet. Yeah, you're doing amazing work. It's it's really revolutionary. So thank you so much again. Have a wonderful day. You, too. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning into the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dream Nation Love. It's not Dream Nation podcast, it's Dream Nation Love because I think my single mission in life is to teach people how to love a little bit more and together we can save the world. So it's Dream Nation Love, share it with your friends, have a great day and go out and make the world a better place.